Well, the previous topic we spoke about was why the Torah doesn't discuss Olam Abba. But now there's a second question also, and that is, besides for the, the discussion of the reward, what about the actual, where's the, where do we see in the Torah the concept that Bichlal, Olam Abba, exists? Well, it's not called Olam Abba, but we call the Olam and the Shamas, in other words, afterlife. If the Torah doesn't promise it as reward, for the, we gave a number of reasons why the Torah refers to refer to discuss a physical reward. But nevertheless, the fact that a person's neshama, his ruach, continue after he dies is fundamental hashkafa. Where do we see that concept brought in the Torah? So the Chacham, to conclude his argument, is going to show us a number of times where the Torah takes it for granted. It's so passionate that the Torah just mentions in passing that there's that concept of what we call Hasharis HaNefesh, that the person's being, his essence, his Nefesh, continues even after he dies. And he says, we're in the middle of the same paragraph, V'emesu, we find in the Dvarim of the Nevim, in the words of the Nevim, that even though the body of a person, which is made from this, the ground, made from the sand, will return to the, its natural estate, to the dust. But the ruach, which is the spirit of a person, the essence of a person, returns to Hashem who gave it, which is a pasuk. So we find a clear pasuk that the ruach of a person returns to Hashem, it doesn't disappear. Similarly, in the Dvaran Nevim, we have the Maism of Chesem Maism, of Elisha, of Eliyahu, of Yecheskel Anavi, a number of times Nevim could do Chesem Maism, and not only that, the promises of Chesem Maism of the future, which is also Mufurish in the Navi. The Navi Daniel, for example, the Rabbi Mishaynei Aretz Yakitsu, many of those sleeping in the sand, which means those who passed away will return to life, as one example. And the Shlichas Navi Yishma Eliyahu. Same thing, the final Navi of Malachi, Hina Neichi Shleich Lechem Seliyahu Navi. This isn't a new Navi. Kvar Shulach Bazman Avar. He had already been sent before. Eliyahu Navi had already lived. What happened? Velakha Lakim Kashalakach Zulasish Shuloy Tam Tamis. Hashem took him without killing him and therefore he can come back again. So the continuation of the human being, even not in this world, we see mentioned in all these, in, in that, that case also. That's in the Navim. The request of a person who was blessed with Nevo, we're talking about Bilam, and what did he daven or ask for himself? Bilam said, Now, just explaining the words of that pasuk. What acharisi? What end point is there after death? If Bilam asked to die the death of the righteous. And then his end should be like this. It means there's something following death. And what happens thereafter should be the same as it happens to Tzadikim. So even Bilam, as a non-Jew, and definitely not as a Tzadik, was aware of the fact that there's something following death too. This is Shalom Melech, who is using maybe a forbidden means of doing so, seancing. He brought up the nefesh of Shmuel, a Novi, after he had died. And he told him the future, what was going to happen to him, just like he had done in his lifetime. So you see, he could still be spoken to, and he could still speak after he had died. Now, we're not condoning that. Even though what that king did was also, 
Like we said, the Torah doesn't allow bringing up the, the nefesh of a dead person, or to call it Yisrael, whatever he did it, we call Shreel Oid. Nevertheless, we see it works. The people believed and they knew that they realized that the nefesh continues after the body is no longer. That's why there was someone to ask. This idea of being derish al-amesim means because the person realizes that there's something there that you can speak to even after a person died. And therefore, the very fact that the Torah forbids it, that it's forbidden to in contact or try and bring up through sorcery the nefesh of a dead person means it was something which was possible to do, and more than that, something which people tried to do. They've, it was understood that it's a doable thing, which means there was a nefesh which c- continues, and therefore they could try and access it. So these are a number of the rays he brings from the Torah and from the Nevim, that there's a concept of, even in, ingrained in, in, in our understanding, in basic Ashkafa, that there's a concept of Life following death. The Ma'is says, he just brought a sprinkling of rice. There are many, many, many more, and I think even clearer rise in this, from the, from the Naveen. If I'm looking for Psukim, which talk about, um, we're talking about the fact that the Nisham survives death, or that there's an afterlife, they're much clearer Psukim. For example, uh, one Pasuk I will give, when David meets Abigail, and Abigail tries to convince David not to kill Novus. And he, she says to him, because you're going to be punished for one day. Be punished if you kill him. He doesn't deserve to die. So she says to him, that after you die, the soul of my master, talking to David, will be bound up with the connection of life to Hashem. So they have a very clear, very clear understanding that there's a concept of following life, the soul gets connected to Hashem. Right? There's a the continuation of the Apostle Gosa is a very clear right to the fact of the punishment of the Rishon. The punishment carries on. There's nefesh of The nefesh of your enemies, Hashem will chase it away, so to speak, as we call it in the process we call Kafakela. So there we have a very clear right of the nefesh of the Tzadik going being reconnected to Hashem. Similarly, we have the Apostle of Yeshaya. Get up and sing, people who are lying in the ground. So again, the fact that there's a... We're talking to those who've died and they will get up and, and rejoice in the future. We have a very clear verse about these things. And therefore, like we said, the reason the Torah doesn't discuss that reward, we spoke about. Does that mean the Torah is avoiding the topic? Or that we don't have references, we don't have Makoris? That there is a Shoros and Nefesh? No, there's very clear rise throughout Tanakh that there's a concept of... A, the continuation of life even after a person is no longer in his body. And that goes to that avenue. The fact that everybody believes in the concept of afterlife right, was not a Kiddush. I mean, we're looking backwards and looking for rise in the Torah where we see the Torah took it for granted. Right? We know enough about the pagan cultures of the time that they believed in it. Right, just to give the, the simplest example, the, the pyramids in Egypt were burial chambers which the parish stocked with, with servants, with animals, with gold, with silver, with all the things which would, he thought he would take with him to the next world. And we're talking about a completely pagan culture which believed in the afterlife. And not just that, the other, what we know of the other pagan religions, they also believed in that. Right? Like we said, the idea of speaking to the souls of the dead, which forbids, was something which was done, the apostle says in Canaan, that's what they used to do. Right? So that was something that they were aware of, that's something that they dealt with. The... the the fact that people could deny it 
only came around when people denied anything spiritual, which was the time of the Greeks, like we said, the philosophers. Then they, were, they hadn't access to these things anymore, and therefore they couldn't explain it logically. They, by the way, today, we've gone full circle. Even though maybe science can't prove it, but science 100% accepts it. Why? Because there's so many evidences of near-death experiences of people who've claimed that they've left their bodies and are aware of what's going on around them and can tell us exactly what's happening when they're no longer, so to speak, in a conscious state. And they could see from outside themselves exactly what was done to them. This has been compiled by a number of university studies in all over the world. Right? The correlation of evidence of what we call post-death experience that it's impossible to argue with it. The amount of evidence they have today that the person has a soul which leaves his body when he dies, but he's still conscious. The, the consciousness goes with it, and the person's aware of himself as being in a disembodied state is clear. It's accepted. So we've gone back to where we started. We, even though here we're looking for proofs from the Torah to the existence of the nefesh beyond death, the it's not. Uh, there's enough evidence to, that it's, it's convincing that no one would deny it. So, those goyim who are religious or whatever, whatever way were directed to their religion, and uh, those who are not, they don't know what to say about it. Again, it's not coming from religious people necessarily, it's coming from across the board. So what are they going to say about it? They, they don't have a necessary explanation for it. So what do they do with that information? And he says, Everyone knows how we dive in every morning. And we say, you're going to take it away from me, you're going to return it to me. So therefore, even when Hashem, there's a concept of the Hashem removing the Neshama from a person, and Hashem returning it to a person. And therefore, we have the same idea here. And this isn't a Raya, this is a Tvila. But he's saying, it's something so important to the Yiddishkeit, we mention every single day. He could have also brought the Brachon Shemesu, Mechaya Mesim. Right, this is a basic tenant we're working with the whole time. Could be. Okay, so that's the first point. Is there a nefesh which survives death? 100%. This is a basic principle of the Torah, and as was pointed out, 100% correctly, not just the Torah. This was understood. This was understood uh, even by the non-Jews at the time when they understood how a spiritual world works. Uh, it was something which has to be proved now because it wasn't so partial to... It wasn't so partial to the post in the world who didn't deal with spiritual things. But if you have more examples of the same idea um, that we find in the Torah, that is taken for granted that there's the that there's the following death. The Gemara brings examples from Sukkim. Right, the Gemara's example where it says, The Hashem promised as Israel to your forefathers to give them, and He never gave it to them. So it must be He promised to give them at some later, later stage. Oh, Hashem tells Moshe Ben, where the Gemara ends in Sanhedrin, You're going to die with your fathers, which means you're going to die with your You're going to get up again. The Gemara in Sanhedrin is the beginning of Chalik, but this is another example from Tchisa Mezim in So whatever we're going to bring the rise for, Az Yashir, which means Lashir, 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 there are lots and lots of, if you're going to look for more cases where we have this idea, there are many more cases also. That's the first point. Now the second point. We said, what we've got, non-Jews are claiming is that they have something called paradise, what they call Eden or Ganadin in their words, right? And we said, we explained why the Torah didn't discuss that. But it's not a concept which is foreign to the Torah. Says the Chacham, the whole concept of a 
principle of something called Gan Eden, which people, you know, as even other religions talk about, where do they get it from? Where do they get the idea from? From the Torah. Adam Arishan was putting Gan Eden, so that's where you get this concept of a place called Eden from. That was a place which was prepared for a person. Had a person not sinned, that's where he would be. And therefore, the idea of a place which is perfect, a place which is, uh, has every benefit, a place which is made for a person just to enjoy, that's a Torah concept. It's a Torah concept. Except, here's the point which needs to be explained. And that is, the Torah is talking about a physical concept. Adam Arishan was here in a person, in a physical body. Gan Eden was a physical place with physical trees. Right? And the Shama, when it leaves the body, doesn't go to a physical Ganadin. It has nothing to do there. Right? The Shama is not a, is, uh, something spiritual. And therefore, if it's going to go to get rewarded, it's not going to a physical garden. It, it can't relate to that. Right? And therefore, even though the Torah talks about the physical Ganadin of Adam was put, the Ramban explains the Shara Kamul at length, and that is that there's a counterpart. Right? There's just like there's a physical representation of Ganadin, somewhere in this world, the Adam Arishan was. There's also a spiritual Ganadin, which means a place for the Neshama to get her now. Ganadin was a place where a person physically could get the maximum enjoyment of this world, and there's a corresponding area which a Neshama can go to. So Kazari hasn't brought rise to the spiritual Ganadin. All he's saying is that the non-Jewish world didn't come up with the concept on their own. They even call it Eden, or whatever it's going to be called. They got it from the Torah. Now, the problem is that they're still holding by that concept of the physical Ganadin. Right? And that is, like we said before, the non-Jews never managed to detach the concept of reward from a physical dimension. And therefore, by them, the physical concept of Gan Eden, of the garden of the luscious fruits and the flowing water and everything else, still, in their mind, is what paradise means. Right? Some, some magnificent garden, jungle, whatever it's going to be. And we understand that's not the Pshat. Here in this world, so Adam Rishma was put, the concept is talking about a spiritual concept, where a person's nefesh leaves and goes to after he dies, but the words, the, the idea of such a place, of such a concept, comes from the Torah. That's on the one side. And same thing, the, what the non-Jews talk about, the threats of eternal punishment, what they also call Gehenna, in, their own, in every, whatever language you want to translate it into, but the idea of the fire which is eternal and burns the sinners, they didn't make that up either. It's also not the, the idea that comes from the Torah too. The Chayin Gehenna, listen to what he says, it's very interesting. The Chayin Gehenna, who makam yodua, kar of Yerushalayim. Gehenna is a place. Right? It's a valley next to Shalim. What do they used to do there? They used to burn things there. Gay, it's a valley. The fire kept burning there because they used to use it to burn things the whole time. Anything tome, which you can't have in your Shalim, so you have to burn it. Uh, dead animals are in the something which is tome, kochim which are tome. All these things they have to burn. Where do you burn them? Right outside your Shalim. So they had a continual fire burning. Right? And that, that, that's what they used to use the whole time to, to add to it wherever they needed to burn. So this idea of uh, continual fire, the original location of this fire was in the place outside Yishraim, which you know is called Gay Ben Hinnom. The valley of Ben Hinnom, which nobody talks about a few times. Right? That's where the words, or the concept of a non-ending fire called Gay Hinnom comes from. By Mila Ivris Murkavis. The word Gay Hinnom is a mixture of these two words. The Gay, the valley of Hinnom. Now, we know exactly where it is. If you go out of Yishlam, if you go out to the old city, and uh, today it's uh, on the direction when, you walk, when you're driving around towards Sultan's Pool, there's a very steep decline um, on the left. Is that where they have the amphitheater thing? Before that, before that, when you're coming down around the old city, before that, there's a very steep decline. 
Uh, right, that's that's Kaibaninam. That's what they used to use to burn everything that's around the Bernat And uh, that's where the term comes from. Doesn't the also talk about smoke? It talks about it's in the and it talks about the two palm trees that the smoke used to come out from them the whole time. That's what I wanted to talk about. The Kuzari is deliberately um, explaining it over, in a very oversimplified fashion. Right? This idea of a place which is an ongoing fire because it used to burn things the whole time is true. We find a number of times in the, in the times of the Navim that whatever they wanted to burn, they used to take it and burn it in the valley. Even even people. When they wanted to burn the bones of the Ov Abal, for example, or they wanted to burn the statues that they took down, they used to burn them in Gabriel. There's a Psukim in the Navim. Right? Whatever the reason was to burn something, that was the place they used to burn it. That was a Makkah Mas- Mas- Masraifa. Right? It was, it was a place that wouldn't pose a danger to the city. And that they used to, and it wasn't a place which could be cultivated. It's like desert. So they used to use it as a way to burn things. So it says the idea of Gehinnom, of a fire in Hinnom, was bats and coming from a physical location they used to burn things. But there's much more than that. This is true. And like I said, we can verify it from stories in the Navi. There's much more than that. The Navi says there are three Psachim to Gehinnom. It's a Gemara. The Gemara says there are three openings to Gehinnom. Echot Bayam, Ve'echot Midbar, Ve'echot Bishalai. There are three ways to get into Gehinnom, and it's not talking about a physical place where you burn uh, Tommy animals or Nevadas, whatever it is. There is a concept of Gehinnom, which is a fire burning in the spiritual sense. There are three ways to get there. One in the sea, one in the desert, and one next to Shalai. How do we know? The one in the desert, that's where Korach went. Right? It says, He and everything went live into Gehinnom. Shaol is one of the Gehinnom. The one in the sea is because that's where Yoyna went to. He said when he fell off his ship, before he got swallowed by the fish, so he says, Mibetan Sha'ol Shivati. From the steps of the Sha'ol, I cried out to you. Shamata Kaili. So he was in the seas. There must have been an opening to Gehinnom in the sea. And in Yishalayim, because the Prophet says, Nu'um Hashem, Asha'or loy b'tzion v'tanor loy b'yishalayim. There's a fire burning from Tzion in an oven, basically in Yishalayim. So we know there are three entrances to Gehinnom. The Gemara makes it more graphic. The Gemara takes an example of each one where the Rabbi Babarachana saw, he saw smoke rising from the ground. In the case of the, the case of the midbar, the Gemara in Baba Basra, the Gemara as far as I remember, the Gemara said that a tire, which means Eliyahu Novi, took him to a place in the desert, and he said, this is the place of Maisi Korach. And he said he took a cloth and stuck it into the ground, and it came up in smoke. Right? That was the one. The other one, the, the entrance next to Yerushalayim, is the Gemara in Sukkah, about the Tzina Harabarazal, the two trees of palm trees in Harabarazal, which is also, again, in the same place outside Yerushalayim, and so there's always smoke rising from between the two trees. That's also an entrance to Gehinnom where the smoke is coming out of. And in the sea, we have it also. It's hard to see smoke in the sea, but the idea that there's a Sha'ol, which is Bimale, uh, basically coming out in the sea, the Gemara talks about the Levyasin, that it stops the waters boiling in the sea from the, from, the, from the, so to speak, the heat coming out of Gehinnom. So that's talking about something else. That's not just talking about a place outside of Shalim where they used to burn, burn things. It's talking about a different concept, which, like I said, the Kuzari deliberately avoided. He, was trying, he wasn't trying to tell the king about how he explains spiritual Enish. He was just trying to say that the Goyim didn't make up anything on their own. The concept of a, of a fire which burns and uses punishments is a Torah concept. But now what we'd like to understand is what is this concept of Gehenna? What is this concept and why does it have three entrances? What's the significance of that? And uh, even though that's not what the Ghazari talks about, but this is Chazal, so that's what Hashem will lead and discuss tomorrow. Did anybody ever try 